We've been on a series um, over the last, well, couple of months, I think now, around all things new. Um, we at the Vineyard have a clear... Oh, yeah, oh, here we go. This will be fun. Let's see what happens here. Yeah, there we go. That we would risk it all again in 2019 on Jesus. On Jesus. He was the one that inaugurated the kingdom through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And he commissioned each one of us to be his disciples and to do the same, to bring the kingdom into this world, to look for the Father in all that he is doing and bring his rule and reign into that place. We are about that in the vineyard. We don't believe it was just for the disciples that it stopped after the disciples and the apostles died. We believe that the Holy Spirit is active today, is here now, wanting to bring God's kingdom into this earth. That's all happening as we're centered on Jesus, as we're centered on Jesus. As his disciples, not only do we get a, a new kingdom, which is at the top, but we also, um, we also get a new father. Man, don't many of us need that. No, like, no offence to the dads in this room or to the men in this room. We do our best, don't we? We try our best. We do our best. There's shortcomings, but boy, oh boy, there's this, there's this place at the depths of who we are that cries out and says, I need to know that I'm loved by my Father, godly Father. So we get a new Father when we come to Jesus. We also get a new family. Have a look around. Have a little look around. Welcome, family. Say hello to your brothers and sisters in Jesus and all the weirdness and messiness that goes with that. Are you all excited about that? <laughs> It's, it is a good thing. We get a new family, people we never thought that we'd be directly related to. Suddenly there's this connection because of Jesus that we never thought we could have with some people and certain types of people. And we get a mix. I mean, look at this room. There's such a mix and a diversity of people in this room. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Do you know what it means? It means Jesus is here. Because there's no way you could keep an eclectic group like this together and have a sense of family, such a strong sense of family, unless there was something very powerful at the core of what's going on. And that is, what's the answer? Jesus, just checking your awake, just checking. The last thing we get, and we wanna, I want to focus on this a little bit more, is a new life. We get a new life, literally a new life. We believe here in the vineyard that Jesus, when he died and he rose again, he reinstated the creative order that God had originally purposed for each and every one of us. That it was busted, it was broken when we chose to go against God, and that when Jesus came, lived his life, died on the cross, rose again and breathed on us with his Holy Spirit, said, I'm making all things new. You literally died. And now you're being reborn again in Jesus, in Jesus. So we get a new life and it's all centered on Jesus. We have looked over the last couple of weeks, Kirk used a, an amazing analogy, I love it, 
around being the, um, I think I've missed the slide. This thing's great. Um, he used an analogy a couple of weeks ago where he talked about us as we um, to make this journey into all things new, that as a disciple, if we struggle in modern times to understand what it means to be a disciple, one of the best terms and ways you can think about that is an apprentice. Think about being an apprentice on one level. But I've got to tell you, a disciple in ancient times went a lot further than what it means to be an apprentice. It's still a good analogy. But we learn from the master in all things. As a disciple, you literally lived with the master, followed him, did everything, watched, you ate, slept, everything happened together in the, in the same home, in the same space. You were always with the master as a disciple in ancient times. We in our modern terms, an apprentice is a really good analogy for that, where we're watching, we're learning from the master. And um, in that... We've been looking at, and I want to revisit these three points again today, or mostly the first two, in that as his apprentices, as Jesus' apprentices, God wants to make every moment of my life glorious in his presence. Simple statement, right? Every moment of my life glorious in his presence, that he would be with me. I love it. In my breathing, in my sleeping, in my working, in my parenting, in my husbanding, in my driving, just invented a word there, in my playing, in my socialising, in my train ride to work, in, um, that everything would be made glorious in his presence. Everything, that his presence would be with me and that I would know him. And that all of those things would be happening and the best place to know that that's all happening with life in God is in the small things. That the little things... Am I echoey? Do I need to change the mic? Yeah? Should I go back to the red one? Is that better? A little bit? Yeah. Cool. Where was I? Oh, the, the small things. You know, apprentices have to do the small things really well. If they're laying just at one tile, if they lay it just off, it affects the whole room as they lay those tiles. If they put one foot wrong in a certain place on roofs, then their foot can go through the plaster and suddenly the job becomes a whole lot bigger. They have to follow their master, watch where their, their master or their boss walks so that they know where to walk in a roof and not put their foot through plaster. If they leave one loose pipe, just a little thing of leaving a pipe just a little bit loose over time, flooding can occur and it can become a big thing. Apprentices, they watch, they learn and they listen really, really well. That's what they should do. Anyway, do they do that, Jake? John, do they do that? Yeah, they do? Where's John gone? He's hiding. There he is. Do they do that well, apprentices? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John and Jake are apprentice electricians. So, um, People will look different. We'll, we'll get back to that one. I want to leave that one alone. We might get to that this morning. We'll see how we go. But let's have a chat about the first two this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but those things I just talked about, I do find it hard to do on a consistent basis. 
I do. I'm getting better. But let me tell you about Scott at 3 a.m. on Saturday morning, just gone. Let's have a chat about how that went uh, for me. I um, was sound asleep, literally sound asleep, and I feel Belinda uh, knock me. Now, Belinda's really wise because the males in our house, when we get woken up from a deep sleep, we don't react well. Like, <laughs> we don't yell, but our bodies don't respond very well. They f- body parts fly and you can get whacked pretty good if you're not careful, can't they, Jake? <laughs> So um, she taps me on the leg and sure enough, I, what, what, what's going on? Spring up, launch out of bed, what's happening? The water heater is leaking. Well, the adrenaline just hits me at uh, 100 miles an hour. I launch out of bed and um, I don't know if I was awake or asleep or not by the time I got outside. Thankfully, I was coherent enough to put a jacket and stuff on as we went outside And sure enough, we get out there and our water feature has become a magnificent, our water tank, sorry, has become a magnificent water feature out the back. We have a beautiful seam on the water tank has let go, the tank's gone, and we've just got water pouring down the side of the water tank at three o'clock in the morning. Now, I'd love to tell you that I went back to bed and and the next morning I woke up and I thought I had this vision of where our water tank was broken and angels came and stood beside me, touched the water tank and it was all sealed and I went back to bed and I woke up thinking, I had a vision last night, honey, and here's what happened. That's not what occurred for me. My first thought was, it's Saturday. I'm about to get shafted by a plumber who owns a house on the Sunshine Coast because of his Saturday penalty rates. It's about to happen. I have a family of six who now have no hot water. I have no idea how I'm going to shave for work on Monday morning if I can't get this fixed. All right, these are the things that go through my head at 3am on a Saturday morning when you got faced with the prospect of no hot water. And then as my mind races at 100 miles an hour, my heart begins to agree and thinks these things are justified. You, have, you can feel justified right now about those thoughts in your mind. So let's keep going down that path. Let's throw a little bit of anger in there now. Let's just chuck that in there as you're thinking through these thoughts and let's start to get a little bit frustrated about everything that's going on. And then my will joins in and says, I want to fix now. There's no way I want to deal with this on a Saturday. I've worked hard. I've been sick all week. I don't want this. I've had long hours. This is not something I want to deal with on a Saturday. My Saturday is gone. I don't want it. Despair kicks in and all these things happen. So the entire being of Scott enters into the journey of the broken water tank. And then I stop. All those thoughts all those feelings. Now remember, God's in the little things, right? Remember this. And I stop and I go, hang on a minute. And it was the Lord, thankfully. Scott, let's have a chat about this. What does it really mean? Well, we might have to have a cool shower on a Saturday and maybe Sunday if we're unlucky. Okay, well that's all right. That's not too bad. Um, There's all these other things I've got to sort out. Well, okay. Is it just a couple of phone calls? Yes, it is. It's just a couple of phone calls I've got to make. And suddenly I allow the Lord to come in, even in those little things, and just say, you know what? I've got this, Scott. It's all right. 
I've got this. I won't even talk about the financial stuff that was running through my head because that's, that would be a long story uh, on that one. But it was enough to say that it was messing me up pretty good. And then I laid in bed and I put my head down and the Lord said, I've got this. I've got this. And I haven't got time this morning, but what I will testify to is he did. He had it. One phone call, plumb around, water tank's replaced by 12 o'clock, done. Everything's done, finished, no problems at all. Mentally, I was a little drained for the rest of the day. But it was all done. And I'm like, Lord, how quickly I forget. You did get this. You do have this. You've always had my back. You've always had me in the little things. You've always been faithful. And I allowed all of those parts of me to suddenly just go, blah. And just react and respond before I stopped and went, where are you, Lord? Where are you in this situation? I need to see you right now because if I don't see you right now, I can tell you all these other things are going to take control over what's going on here. And I need you. I need you, Jesus, right now. And it's when I, all of that stuff goes on, I wanted to talk about this morning to maybe help you understand that. Do you, I don't know if many of you remember, if you were here, Kirk gave us this little diagram a little while ago about how, how we as people are, are put together. Now, it has its flaws. I'll be the first to admit that. But it's still really good to be a visual tool to help us understand how and why we might respond and react in situations. Now, I gave you a little situation. The principles are still the same as we face bigger circumstances in our life. Bigger circumstances in life. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But... If you, if you look on the outer, can, is it readable from where you are? Or do I, sort of? Okay, I'll give you the explanation. In the middle is our spirit. Now, our spirit is renewed and saved by surrendering to God and asking Jesus Christ to be our saviour. On the outer layer of that, around that, is our soul. And our soul is a little bit what I want to kind of focus in on today. But within the layer of our soul is our mind in both our conscious, our thinking and reasoning, and our subconscious mind. So our beliefs, our attitudes, um, our memories and things like that. They're more of the subconscious things um, sitting behind us. Um, Across both of those two things, you can see the heart, but you might not be able to read the writing. The heart includes both the soul and is connected to both the soul and the spirit. It crosses between those two things. And on the outside here is our body. So this is all about our nerves and our senses, our cells, our organs, our brain as such. Pretty sure we've all got one, which is a good thing. Um, And that makes up a part of who we are. So bringing all of those bits together, and what I want to point out today and is really key to who we are, is our soul. Now, as you can see, our soul touches every area of the makeup of who we are. It holds it all together, both our spirit and the inside, our mind and what's happening in our mind, our heart and our body. It connects all of those things together and makes us whole. It's, it, it's our person in the end, all those things that are put together. Now, <clears throat> what I've often happens and is happening more and more in our world is those things that are sitting within the soul and are connected and held together by the soul are being segmented more and more. They're being 
pulled apart that this is the most important thing. This is the most important thing. This is the most important thing in your life. But as Christians, what is key for us to understand is we have a soul. The enemy would love us to think that we don't. And he does a very good job at distracting people that you don't. And that the most important thing is about how you're feeling. The most important thing is about how you're satisfying your body. The most important thing is about your beliefs and what you're allowed to believe and what other people can't tell you you can believe or what you can't say to those people. We've seen that through the media a lot, haven't we, of recent times? <coughs> Excuse me. We've seen that a lot. And so what ends up um, happening with those things is they get compartmentalised. Let me give you an example of that. I'll give you another basic one so we don't go too deep. I have been known to um, take down a fair few lollies in my time. I don't mind an old bag of bananas, the old soft banana lollies. Amen. Yes, who said that with me? Pete, did you? Yes, who else? Like, come on, let's all, let's, we're forming a club. Who loves the banana lollies? The what? No. No, nah, there we go. So it's like barracking for Collingwood or Manly. You love them or you hate them, apparently. Um, so... <laughs> I like them. They're one of the only banana-flavoured thing I like. And um, there are times where my body craves them. I love the sweetness. I love the melt-in-your-mouth moment when you suck on those bananas and they just dissipate in your mouth. The banana lovers are right now going, yes, God, that's how you do it. That's how you eat those things. Um, and I often will love a good packet of bananas when I'm tired, when I'm not feeling good and I'm tired. I will like to hoe into those bananas. My body will crave them. And so in the midst of, you can start to have a look up here. I get tired and my body says, hey, those bananas look pretty good. And so I, take, I make the choice. I begin to engage um, in my will and my, my mind in the process and I start to rationalise and I go, yeah, you've had a big day and you're really tired, you're justified in eating those lollies. That's My mind starts to tick. Or, hey, you've done a bit of physical exercise, you've been on your runs today, those lollies are looking, they'll, they'll be fine. You can, you can drop those, those whatever weight you're going to put on from those later on. Don't, don't stress it, you can go there. And then my heart jumps in as well and it says, yep, Let's do it. So all these parts are starting to come together for the final choice where I go, yep, let's hoe down. Here we go. We're in. And then something happens. There's this one part that didn't agree with the rest of me. And it was my will. Because previously, I started to say to myself, it would be a really good thing if you were healthier, if you ate well, because you're, you've got a family who need you to be um, well. They need you to have energy when you come home. And that packet of lollies will be good at the time, but it's going to be a downer later on when you come off that sugar high and you're going to be more tired than when you started. And so, Scott, what are you going to do here? Are you going to make the choice to do that? And my will is now engaging. What happens in that moment? I'm using the basic example, but I want you to get the concept of soul. What happens in that moment is my, the other things have begun to move outside of my soul. The decision-making process, I've separated them. I've pulled them out. Let's see if it'll do this. 
one of them. I only had time to do this one. I apologise. This is the only artwork you're going to get out of me and little motions you're going to get out. Is When I start to do that and what my soul wants, what my soul longs for and what it needs as it's in relationship with Jesus, when I make some of those decisions, what begins to happen is I start to pull it outside of me. And I start to make decisions that are based on one aspect of me and not all of me and who I am. Does that make sense to everybody? Do you get what I mean, what I'm saying there? And so it pulls out and the conscious mind and its decision-making gets yanked outside of the soul and that's all going on. And um, then my will is the one that stays within the soul and stays in there. And then what ends up happening internally, down inside, your soul, you know her. You know her, you know that deep place. You, 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 that, that thing that always says to you, something's not right. I'm not in connection here. So something's going wrong. That thing that's deep down that's just ringing away going, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, I'm here, I'm here. You're out of alignment. Your heart, your mind, your decision-making right now, you've pulled it outside, of you, you, you're trying to separate them from all of who you are. Let your will take over right now in your decision to eat that packet of lollies. Let it take over. Let it take charge and pull those other things back in. Let's bring them back in. Okay, so I made a choice that I want to eat healthier for my family and that I'll have more energy for them. Right. That desire that I have, mind, I need you to stop right now. Stop. Because I'm choosing to say one or two might be all right but not the packet. Basic example, but do you get where I'm going with all of that? Is that helpful? I hope it's helpful. So... Our soul is so integral and important to who we are. And that thing when it cries out that something's not right is often because we're not tending to it and parts, other parts out of rhythm and out of sync are starting to take over and trying to take control and operate on their own. And we need to listen to our soul and tend to our soul when it starts to cry out. We saw it really clearly or you do see it very clearly in Genesis 3 and how the enemy comes to tempt um, Adam and Eve and wants to in the end his intent and he does this quite a lot with us is to break relationship and so what he does is he comes in and he and he questions um, Adam and Eve's will and he says is it going to be God's way or is it going to be your is there another way did God really say so he starts to try and plant a seed to break, to separate those parts that we're talking about up there. He has a really good crack at this. Really, really good crack at this. And he pull, tries to pull them out and he says, Is it, did God really say to you? So he starts to challenge the will. And in this, is, this, is your relationship with God really where you want to go? Is this what you really want? And then he starts to come into, and Eve and Adam start to, t to enter into the, to the, the situation as, uh, through their mind. And the statement, you will not surely die, starts to trigger thoughts. Oh, hang on. What if? I wonder if. Could I? All these thoughts start entering into their mind. The heart joins in and says, oh, the lust for power. This could be interesting. 
I wonder, should we enter into this? And then the body is the final act. The body comes into it and Eve sees that the sees. The body's now engaged in this whole process and she sees that the fruit is good and she wants to take it. Broken relationship, broken soul. Soul is broken, we're broken into parts as a result. But praise God, there's a happy part to this story. It's all good, we're getting there. That in Jesus, as we've said, we're centered on Christ's likeness. That in Jesus, um, we have new life. We have new life. And in this relationship, our soul has a deep connection to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so they get involved in this whole process of life and doing things. And they're breathing. I wish, again, I wish I had these cool little artworks happening where they're pulsating in and out and there's little arrows and all that kind of thing happening where they're breathing into us. They're breathing life into us through all of those layers and all of those areas. When we died, we entered into a relationship where we're surrounded by, we're enveloped by, we are with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, everything the enemy does, he will want to separate that belief from you. He will want to, in any way he can, pull that away that says, no, you're not. You're not really in relationship with the Father. You're not, Jesus, really, is he really that powerful? And the Holy Spirit, yeah. He's not so powerful. Look what's going on around in the world. Anything he'll do, he'll try and convince you out of this place of where they are not who they say they are. They are not as caring as what you think that what what they what the Bible claims or what others are telling you or what's even in your thoughts. He will try and plant seed after seed after seed after seed. And it's often in the little things that he'll do it. We wait for the big things to come our way and hit us all the time. They happen, life happens, but it's often in the small things in your mind and the thoughts in your mind that he'll come and he'll just, hey, did God really say? Did he really say? Just, just one, it just drops that little seed. Hey, um, are you really God's child? Do you really believe that? Like, really? Do you believe that? Well, why? Why would you believe? All these seeds and doubt he tries to plant in our mind. But we live in the rule and the reign of God. His kingdom has come. So at any time that one of those parts, and again, you picture in your mind cool little motions of things happening here, my heart tries to pull outside of that relationship and tries to come and operate on its own and move outside and not acknowledge the deep cry of my soul that says, don't do it. Don't have those feelings. Or my mind of, no, don't do it. Where my soul says, stop. There's something wrong with the way you're thinking. That deep in in here, down in here that says, something's not right in the core of who I am right now. We can't often explain it. We can't put words to it except for that. This, this, oh, there's something in my Noah that says that something's not right. Pay attention to it. Hear it crying out to you and think about what's going on. Look at your feelings. Look at your thoughts. Look at your, which one, your body's reactions and cries. Think about those things and go, God, where are you? in the midst of this 
And that's what I want to focus on today. I think I've gone way off track with my notes, but let's just roll with it and see how we go. And, no, nah, I've gone too far. And so we're in this relationship. And in the midst of all those things that go on, I've spent some time recently with the Lord as I've been out running. I, as I often do, it's the time the Lord and I seem to talk a lot. And I said, Lord, why, why are some of those things, why do they seem so hard for Christians? And I just look at other people around me and it seems, seems I understand Lord seems, I'm acknowledging that right now, that they just, it just is easier for them. Why is it easier for them? And he stopped me and he said, well, that might be because I love you. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He said, well, didn't you die? I'm like, well... Thanks, yes. <laughs> I did die when I came to know Jesus. And he said, well, so if I want to bring you new life, there will be times where it will be more difficult, where it will seem harder than what other people were going through. It's because I love you and it's because I'm transforming you more and more into the likeness of my son. It's because I'm breathing life into you that those things are occurring and happening life is coming to you and yes there'll be resistance to that both from you and from the enemy it's gonna happen but I love you and I'm committed to this happening and I'm like all right okay I can do that and I'm like so what do I do then Lord and this is still as we're running this is within a 5k run so you don't have to picture me doing that but you can if you want um and, and he said look up child and then as soon as the words came to my head, who's a Lauren Daigle fan here? And I was waiting for Gail. I'm like, here we go. Wait for it. Should I get her to sing the song for us? Or should I make it? No. Um, there's a song that she has, Lauren Daigle. If you don't know it, it's called Look Up Child. And this song just starts playing through my head over and over. I'm like, look up child, look up child. Okay, what do you mean? And he's like, Scott, when you're running right now, you're putting one foot in front of the other and you're running along. And that's cool in life that you know that you need to take the next step and you're following me. But there are times where I need you to look up. I need you to look up. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm really slow at this, Lord. What do you mean? <laughs> you got to tell me a little bit more. And he said, you need to see me through these circumstances. You need to not just react and respond to what is present right in front of your nose all the time. You need to look up and see me and see me. Like, whoa, okay. So that would mean that I'm often rushing through life at such a frenetic pace that I'm not even stopping in those circumstances to talk to you or look for you. Yep, that would be it, Scott. I want you to look up and I want you to see me in all that you're going through because I'm right there and I want you to see me. We see this as Jesus says in Revelation 5, 1 to 5. John writes, this is John writing, and he's seeing heaven and, and he sees the, the Father on the throne. And he said, then I saw at the, the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? 
But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Man, does that stir your soul a little bit? It stirs mine. You see, in ancient times, the scroll was the edict of the king. It was the proclamation of the king or the emperor. And so the father, the picture, John writes to people to try and understand what's going on. John writes and he says, God's will, God's kingdom reign and, and his edict of what he wants to have happen is wrapped up in this scroll. Who can open it to bring the kingdom and to bring the rule of the king and declare it into this world? And John weeps. And don't we often do it? We get into the circumstances, troubles around, and we don't know what to do, and we weep. And I can picture John in this scene. I don't know, maybe heaven's a little, it's a little crazy, so maybe he didn't. But I'm thinking he's, he's, he's like distraught. And when we become distraught, what do we do? Do we drop our eyes? Am I the only one? Do we begin to drop our eyes and we look down, scratching our head and thoughts and feelings? And then the elder says to him, look, see. And I'm thinking, John's going, whoop, eyes come up. He looks. He looks. And it's a picture for us of our life. When you're going through these things and the, and the stuff is happening all around us beyond a bag of lollies, it's important, but you, you get the analogy The one who was worthy to open the scroll, he conquered, he triumphed over death. He is there right in front of you. He was worthy to open the will of God and that will and that kingdom rule and reign is spoken over each one of you today and he is right here with you. Look up, look up, see your king. See your king in all of your circumstances, all your thoughts, all your feelings. As your soul cries out, look up and see your king, the one who reigns over all. He has conquered. Invite him in. I'm just waiting on the Lord a little bit. I I understand where time is at. There was other things I had to say, but I think we might start to leave it there because I think the Lord wants to do some stuff this morning around this idea of look up. Some of you might wonder, how do we do that? How do I see Jesus? I will say this, sorry. How do, I, how do I look up? How do I see Jesus? I don't physically see him. I don't want to put that constraint on you. Praise God if it happens, if you're one of those people that, physic- that you literally get to eyes see Jesus. Wow, can't wait for that testimony. Love it for myself. Can't wait to hear somebody talk about it. How do I look up and see Jesus, Scott? Particularly in my circumstances where they might be dire. They're really dire. How do I do it? Let me offer you a couple of things, a couple of simple things. There is 
a world outside here. And see, this is the plot of the enemy, particularly around social media and all the avenues we've got for watching stuff these days. Our eyes go down and we don't look up to see what is around us. You know, yesterday, I love my sons to bits. Yesterday, we were sitting there in the car and we've just planted all these um, grevilleas outside, our, our, native, our native plants, and these native birds have started to come to the flowers and they were spectacular, these birds. And I walked out, I went inside there in the car and I walked outside and I saw these birds and they flew off and I was like, wow, God, your creation is just unbelievable. I'm not a bird watcher. It was just a, a, a very cool moment. And I said, boys, did you see that? They're like, what, what? Heads come up out of the screen. I'm like, oh, you missed it. These magnificent birds were right in front of you and you didn't look up. You, could, you were in your screen, you didn't look up to see. There is creation all around you in this area and it is God's gift to you to remind you of how much he loved you when he, when he created the earth. We forget about it. There is a dam not far away that you could go and sit at and you can see the majesty and the wonder of creation. If you like the oceans, go to the oceans. If you like rivers, go there. If you like walks, parks, trees, but find it. Look at creation. It will show you the majesty of your God and how much he loved you to give that a gift to you. That's one way you can look up. Another way, worship. Worship. And I don't mean necessarily the introspective worship where it's all about me and what I need. I mean worship that declares the goodness and the faithfulness of God. It doesn't have to be upbeat. I'm just talking about when it's, when it's speaking. It's talking about God, who he is, how great Jesus was in his sacrifice, what he has done for us. Get those things, get those words just flowing through you on a consistent, I mean all the time, turn the radio off. Just turn it off. And don't let those, that music and the news and all those things and, and the comments come through your mind. Either put worship on or just turn it off. Just let the Lord speak to you and look up. Look up in that moment of five minutes in the car and see him right there in front of you. The last one I'll give you, there's so many more. Serve. That third point that we had up there talked about you'll see God in other people. Man, I've got to tell you, bring perspective on my life. Serving has often been in moments when I don't want to, one of the greatest joys of my life where I've got to see Jesus in other people. That I look up as I serve and I see him. If I'm praying for them, if I'm turning a sausage and then watching them eat after the service and that they get enjoyment out of those sausages, that the kids love them and get stuck into them and brings joy joy to them i look up and i'm like lord you are good look 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 at these people loving life and fellowship here in the body there are things you can do three simple things you can do to look up look up let's stand together i want to finish there this morning can we stand up i gotta say that song that we sung um is that i'm listening this morning the third one that we sung Man, the Holy Spirit was all over that song this morning. When we started to cry out, I don't want to miss a. Th I think I don't want to miss a thing, or I don't want to miss hearing your voice. I'd like to change that word this morning. I don't want to miss seeing you. I don't want to miss seeing you this morning, Lord. Um, and 
This morning I want to pray for you one more practical thing. If this is something, I think things are stirring in the spirit this morning and the Lord is calling a lot of us to start to look up at back at him through our circumstances. Not to deny that they're there, but that we would see him in and through those circumstances. That there's a passage in Colossians 3, 1 to 17, and on the basis of how we've looked at how the human body is, is broken into certain pieces and then that the soul connects them all, um, have a read of Colossians 3, 1 to 17 and read it over and over and over and over and memorise it and speak it out and read it over and over. It is a powerful passage to help you look up. It starts with, since then you have been raised with Christ. I mean, those words alone and the impact that that means and has for our life. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Look at raised. Look up. Christ is now your life. 